Mike, thank you. What Christians lose when they sin. Is that better? James chapter 1 and verses 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it hath finished, bringeth forth death. Now normally I have you stand. I actually forgot tonight. Once in a while I forget. And so I apologize for that. But it says here again, in verse 14, every man's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Now, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So we do understand that when man fell, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Everybody's got to die. However, we don't all have to be separated from God for eternity because he offers us eternal life. But we're not talking about just simply death from the curse. When we're born again, we have eternal life. We're talking about what Christians lose. And we're going to look at 1 John chapter 1 in a moment. Let's pray. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. Help this to be an encouragement to someone, maybe to rebuke someone. But Lord, I just know that you can speak to each and every heart from your word. Thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. Obviously, sin brings forth death. But between now and death, there's a lot of things we can lose when we sin. And mainly it's because we do not confess our sins daily and momentarily. We sin and we go on and we sin and we go on. And the first thing a Christian will lose if he, if he sins is his fellowship. Look at verse 3, 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Drop down to verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So in other words... If we're not living right, we're walking in darkness and say we have fellowship, we're lying. We don't have fellowship when we're walking in darkness. He's talking to believers, we. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So clearly, when we walk in the Lord and with the Lord, we have fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with one another. But when we're walking in sin, we lose that fellowship. That fellowship is broken. So first of all, a simple truth. We lose our fellowship when we sin. Second of all, we lose joy. Look at verse 4. And these things write ye unto you that your joy may be full. I'm writing, I'm writing these things. He says that your joy may be full. Now we're going to John chapter 15 and then to the 51st Psalm. John 15, and then the 51st Psalm. John chapter 15. Hope we don't lose our power. If we do, I'm hoping I don't lose my power. Because I'm going to finish, even in darkness, I guess. John 15, verse 11. <clears throat> he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So he speaks to us the word so we can have joy, a remaining, constant, abiding joy. But now we have to look at Psalm 51 because this is a huge psalm. 
You have probably heard this quoted and often misquoted because David says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I've heard people say, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. No, it's his salvation. We're just glad to be part of it. Amen. But he's here, David now, and this is a, a great psalm. Remember, David was living without joy for over two years. He saw this beautiful woman taking a bath, and he kept looking and looking and looking. He didn't look away. He looked at her, and he lusted over her, and he wanted her, and he was the king, and so he found a way to get Bathsheba into his life. And, of course, he loved her, and he married her eventually, but he ruined her husband's life. He ruined his testimony. But most of all, he hurt God. He broke God's heart. And he says, against thee only have I sinned, meaning primarily, God, I've hurt you first and foremost. And that's something we have to remember when we sin. We break God's heart. And so he hurt God, and he lost his joy. And so what does he say in Psalm 51, verse 12? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Look at verse 1. Have mercy on me. He's writing this psalm right here, Psalm 51, while he's getting right with God. He now wants to get right. It's been two years. He's lost his joy. He's miserable on the inside. He's probably doubted that God would have anything to do with him. Maybe he thought, like sometimes we think, he was going to hell for what he had done. Because he understood sin was a terrible thing, and he knew he was out of fellowship. He didn't have that joy. And it's interesting, the Psalms aren't in chronological order because this was written before Psalm 32. And in Psalm 32, he writes that Psalm after he gets right. Let's look there just for a moment. It's not part of our message. It'll be free. You won't have to pay any extra for this. But look at Psalm 32, and I love this Psalm because after David got right, you, you can imagine how miserable he was for two years. Just miserable. I mean, Nathan confronts him. I mean, there's so many things wrong in his life. He's brought harm on God's people. He's just lost his joy. He's lost his respect. And most of all, remember, David was described as a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord. And he's revered as the greatest king in Israel's history. There's only one king that will ever be greater. We know who that is, Jesus, King Jesus. But in Psalm 32, after getting right, he writes this. Blessed is a man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord... In imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. He says, when I kept silent, my bones waxed through, old through my roaring all the day long. He said, physically, I was miserable because I wasn't right with God. And he got right with God, and he says, blessed is a man whose sin is forgiven. There's something about that restored fellowship with God, that when you confess your sin and walk away from it, that fellowship is sweet. You realize, you know what? God didn't move, I did God's never left me. He's been inside of me. I've been miserable because the Lord's inside of me, and I hurt my Lord, and he let me know it. And so here we find that we can lose our joy. Now back to the first chapter of 1 John in verse 5. The next thing we notice that we lose is we lose light. We lose light. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message that we've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And, of course, you know the next verse where we say we have fellowship and we walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. That same verse we used prior, but this time we're looking at verse 5. We lose light. And light, what I mean by this, is not just physical light. 
But we lose our sense of direction, our sense of guidance. The word is a lamp unto my feet, and what? A light unto my path. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall what? He shall direct my paths. When we are not in fellowship, when we are not right with God, when we have sin in our life, we lose all of our sense of direction, the ability to make good decisions. How many of you go, let's raise your hand, a Christian that you know that makes dumb decisions? Raise your hand. You all know somebody. I know plenty. Just dumb decisions. Think, what in the world were they thinking? They're out of fellowship. That's what they were thinking. They're walking in darkness. They've been sinning. They haven't been confessing it. They don't have any sense of guidance. The Holy Spirit is tuned out. He's tuned out. They haven't been listening. And that's why Jesus said sometimes the wisdom of the world is wiser than the wisdom of God. The wisdom of worldly people, the prudence is what that word means, they have sometimes more common sense than Christians. And I've known Christians and you've known Christians that made some of the worst business decisions. And you think, why in the world did they do that? I know a guy that... Uh, Wanted to build a big house. He made a modest, really not even a modest income, and he built about eleven or $12,000 home. He didn't even finish it. He ran out of money when he got it framed and a roof on it, and that house sat there for years, and the bank finally took it back. He just got carried away. He kept adding rooms and adding things, and he realized he's way out of his league, and he couldn't find a buyer, and he got trapped, and he lost everything, and he's been living like a hermit ever since. He just doesn't have anything. He's lost it all and uh, ruined his credit, ruined his testimony. And he's a believer. And that's sad. And that happens to believers because we don't have direction from God. Sometimes a worldly businessman makes good business decisions. And here you have a Christian who has a Lord living in him making decisions like that. And so we lose the light. Uh, we lose the ability to make decisions. Then look at 1 John 2, 5, the next chapter. I love 1 John 2, 5, but I love, and this is not an expository message by any means. It's simple. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. The love of God is perfected. What does that mean? Well, look, John 15, 10. Of course, we're looking at John's gospel, same writer. Chapter 15, verse 10, and uh, I'll come back to 1 John, so if you don't want to take a trip over there, here it says here, if, we keep, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What does that mean, Pastor? Doesn't God love us with unconditional love? He does. He loved us enough to send his son Jesus, you know, but the fact of the matter is we have to also remember other scripture says that if, if, if we walk in sin, he'll chasten us. I, I love um, Psalm 84. It says he will withhold no good thing from them which walk uprightly. So what do I mean when I say we lose abiding love? Well, I remember my dad always wanted to be good to me. But when I was living the wrong way and doing the wrong things and I went to dad and asked for something, that abiding love wasn't there. My dad still loved me, but you know what he said? No, you're not doing what I told you to do. You did the wrong thing at school. You did the wrong thing here and there and whatever. I know you don't even know I sinned, but I did. And uh, he would say, no, I'm not going to help you with that. No, you're on your own. 
My dad was a hard man, but a good man. And you know what God does? When you're his child and you're not living right, he withholds things from you. He, with, he withholds his blessings from you. God's not going to bless you. That abiding love, he's just going to hold back the outpouring of that love and watch you self-destruct. Then when you come crawling back, he'll forgive you and then he'll start blessing you again. But I want that abiding love. I'm thankful God loved me enough to send Jesus to die on that cross. But you know what? I, you know what? I want that, that blessing on me. This week I had three prayers answered. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The third prayer was a pretty big prayer in my life. And I was driving down the road and I was, had a kind of a driver's attitude. I was in a hurry and nobody would get out of my way. Now, I didn't hawk at anybody or shake my fist or anything like that. But I just, in my own little world, they didn't know I was upset. But I was like, come on, people, get out of my way. And the Lord said, boy, boy, your attitude's bad. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't speak in an audible voice, but he spoke to me. And I, I immediately said, and you know what, Lord, you did three things from this week and you just answered one huge prayer. And here I haven't even praised you. I'm complaining because I'm the only one in the Tennessee, Georgia area that knows how to drive right. <laughs> and of course, if I were that person, you know, they weren't doing anything wrong. I was just impatient. And so when we are like that, you know, God just has to start holding back. He, I, I confessed it right away and dealt with it. But you know what? We don't realize how easy it is to lose that fellowship and that joy and that abiding love. We don't realize how easy it is and how miserable we are when we're outside of that. And then something else we lose, and this might surprise some of you. We're going to go to John, and then we're going to go to several passages. The fifth thing we lose is health. Health. Look at John 5, 14. Now, when you get there, John 5, 14, we're going to stop, and I'm going to make, explain a few things because I don't want you to misunderstand when we compare Scripture with Scripture, there's a lot to say about this matter of sickness. Paul was right with God, but he asked for God to deliver him from whatever it was that ailed him, maybe his eyesight, and God said, no, my grace is sufficient. So there are several reasons, at least three, that people are sick, all right? And it's not just because they're sinning. And when we're judgmental, they are sick because they're sinning. I'm sick so God can get glory. You know, remember the man who was born blind and they came to Jesus and said, was he born blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And what did Jesus say? Nada, neither one. But so my father would get glory. So I would be glorified. It was because God wanted glory. So sometimes people are sick and that will bring great glory to God. Think of someone who's born without a limb or two or with a, a mongoloid head, or a, a, you know, a, a, a spinal, spinal problem where they never walk, and we think, how tragic, and why is he born that way? That, how could that kid have been such a sinner? Or is he going through that suffering because his parents are sinners? No. We know sin is part of the curse, but we can't judge like that. Because God may say, no, just that I'll get glory. And what's it going to be like when we get to heaven? And that child is up there running up and down the street of gold. Amen. It's street singular, by the way, not streets, but street of gold. And that child has full use of his limbs in a healthy body. Do you know what we're going to do? 
We knew that child down here. We are going to praise the Lord. Isn't that going to be something? Isn't that going to be awesome to think about that? And so sometimes we see sickness in the life of someone because of the fact that God's going to get glory forever and ever. We don't understand it. We don't know how it's going to work. But we know the Bible says it and we believe it because the Bible says it. Sometimes people are sick. It's just the natural result of the curse. Did you know every one of us is here tonight? We've got a few young people. But death is not too far away from us. My dad died at 70. He used to say three score and 10. He had Lou Gehrig's and he said three score and 10, Dan, three score and 10. And he died at 70. Now he didn't predict his death or anything like that. He just quoted Jesus. But the average life expectancy, many of us, I'm not beyond a chip, but many of you are. We, we understand that. It's in the 70s. I think women high 70s, med low to mid. So we're on borrowed time some. I'm not quite on borrowed time, but let's face it, my day could be today or tomorrow. But the point is sin, because of the curse in the fall, we're all going to have health issues as we get older. I take my 10 pills every day. I'm 60, be 65, October 1st, I get to use my Medicare card. Actually, my, my age is not 65, they made a mistake, I'm 49 and they sent me it by mistake. Oh, don't I wish. Uh, but you know, uh, because I'm 65, my body's starting to break down and I have health issues. I, can, I, 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 could, I could be in sin and have health issues, but I know I'm not in sin right now, but I have these health issues. Why do I have high blood pressure? Why do I have high sugar? Why? You could say, well, one of three reasons, you're right. But it's pretty obvious as you get older that all of us suffer with the curse. The curse just breaks us down. So you can't say about an elderly person or anybody really that has some sort of disease, ah, they're backslidden. So I want to make it very clear tonight. There are several reasons for sickness. One is just for God to get glory. Another is part of the curse and the aging process. But there's also chastisement for sin. So we'll look at that tonight. And don't go out of here and be the judge of everyone. You know, that person's because God's spanking them. But me, because God wants to get glory. We, we don't live our lives like that. God's the judge. He knows the heart. But there is a third reason. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 14. Now here's a man Jesus heals on the Sabbath day. And afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, verse 14. And he said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest what? A worse thing come unto thee. He just was healed. He said, don't go back and sin, because something worse could happen. Now look at Micah. You say, where in the world is Micah? Well, he's in the ground. He's been dead for several thousand years. But the book of Micah is back in the last 12 little minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and then Micah. Terrible, terrible joke, right? My dad, one time, we were at the dinner table, and my dad was talking about some guy raising Cain. I said, raising Cain? Where are they going to find his grave? And my dad thought that was the funniest joke. And obviously you didn't. Jonah, Micah, chapter uh, 6 and verse 13.
Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate because of thy what? Sins. So God would allow sickness. Do we find God punishing Israel at times with sickness? Why, yes. I mean, he would send a terrible disease, a plague to the Israelites and just wipe out thousands because of their sin. And for a believer, we also are chastened. Look at Psalm 38. We'll go to Psalms, then Psalms, then 1 Corinthians. Psalms 38, the 38th Psalm, not Psalms, Psalm 38. Job, Psalm, Proverbs, chapter 38, and then we're going to, Psalm 38, we're going to go to chapter 38, then we're going to go over to chapter 107. Psalm chapter 38 and verse, verses 3 to 10. There is now no soundness in my flesh, this is David, because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over mine head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down, bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of my disquietness in my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me as for the light of mine eyes. It is also gone from me. I mean, David was physically having a hard time because of his sin. Look at Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Verses 17 to 20. Great, great stuff. This is a passage you want to mark. Psalm 107, 17. Fools because of their what? Transgressions. And because their iniquities are what? Afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distress. And look what it says. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. He sent his word and healed them. Isn't that awesome? Do you know there's only one faith healer in the world? Only one faith healer's ever lived. You know who it is? You know, right? Jesus. While healing was a spiritual gift, I understand that, the healer was God. Jehovah Rapha, the healer was God. Jesus Christ is a great physician. When, when we are told to pray and anoint people with oil and we pray for their healing, it's God that gives the increase. I don't have a gift of faith healing, never have, never will. Now, that is a spiritual gift, but the person who had that gift, I have to say that was a spiritual gift, the person who had that gift was empowered supernaturally by God. And mostly it was during the time of the apostles where the apostles could raise dead people and heal people who were sick. During that era, people could raise the dead and heal the sick during the time of Elijah and Elisha and during the time of the apostles. And there'll be a time, the Bible tells us in Joel, at one point in time, again, there'll be healing. But other than that, it's Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of faith healers on television. There's been a lot of scams and a lot of things that happened that have proven those guys to be fakes. Does God still heal? Yes. He heals. We pray. He heals. But God's the one who, make, who gives the increase. And then we look at 1 Corinthians 11.30. And if this doesn't make it clear, 
then I failed in doing my job tonight. But this is simple. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30. You know, I, I, I sometimes, I preach sometimes hard and sometimes I preach a message that is kind of almost scary to us. We think, well, I don't want to sin. I'm going to lose all these things. But the good news in all that is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And we can't lose sight of the fact that God still, still cleanses us. And we don't have to go through hard times as a Christian. We can live an abundant life in this world, in this, in this time. But look at 1 Corinthians 11.30. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For what cause? People who take the Lord's Supper unworthily, who don't confess their sin. And we, we read the text. We're told prior to that, if you have an ought with a brother, you settle it. If you have bad doctrine, you get rid of it. And we're told several things. There's several things in the passage. And we're told to deal with the sin in our lives before we take the Lord's Supper. Because if we take the Lord's Supper and we're a child of God, we can be sick because we're taking the Lord's Supper. And we shouldn't be taking the Lord's Supper when we don't make things right. It's an abomination to God for us to break bread and take the Lord's Supper when we haven't confessed our sin. Now, I'm not saying that just because one time you, you know, take the Lord's Supper and you forget to confess, he's going to smack you down. God's very long-suffering. I know that because he's my God. <laughs> I know how he deals with me. He's patient. But the fact of the matter is when you continue to live a life displeasing to God, he will, he will talk to you and talk to you and talk to you. They know chasing you and chasing you and chasing you. And part of that chastening may be sickness. It may be. And we see that here. For this cause, many are what? Sick. It's plain English. You can't deny that's a biblical concept. And then lastly, the sixth thing we lose is life. And the next two words bear that out. What does it say? Many are, are weak and sickly among you, and many what? Sleep. Why does it word, use the word sleep? Because for a believer, death is just falling asleep. There's no pain in our death. So when he talks about a believer, he's talk, he calls, us, calls it falling asleep. But many have died. Why? Because they continue in sin. Will God allow us to continue in sin? What does Romans say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It says, no, God forbid. He will not let it happen. He'll deal with us. That's why we have to recognize that in churches there are always wolves amongst the sheep. People who are playing the part. There are people who are unbelievers that attend churches. Some of them are members. Some of them sing in choir. And I've even heard of preachers who preached and finally admitted they were lost. And because of our sin, many are sick and many die. And look back now to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16. I'll refer to two more texts, but this will be the last place. 1 John 5, 16. Now, I don't want you to go out of here and go into panic mode and say, man, I forgot to confess yelling at my husband or wife this morning and I'm going to be struck dead. That's not what this message is about. Don't continue in sin. Confess it. Deal with it. Get right with God, and he's going to bless you. You know, God wants to bless us. He's not the big bad wolf. <laughs> he just wants to bless us. And if he, he would just have dealt with me when I was a young guy and kept doing stupid stuff, I'd have been dead a long time ago. He's long-suffering. He's long-suffering. 
And when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive it and to cleanse us. You say, but Brother Dan, I do it the next day. Confess it again. Confess it again. How often do I confess? Every time. Brother Dan, how often do you confess? In my life, I'm sure I could maybe, if I could count, would maybe be a million times. I don't know. I confess every day. Bad thought, Lord, sorry about that thought. Impatient, sorry. Yell at the dog, sorry. I go ask the dog if it forgives me and it licks me in the face. I know everything's okay. Now you don't have to ask your dog to forgive you. Anyway, look at 1 John 5, 16. And this is something that has plagued Christians and has caused them to wonder about God's word. It says, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. And then it goes on to say, there is sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. There is sin unto death. In other words, there are believers that are in heaven now who didn't, won't have any rewards at the judgment seat. Why? They are born again, but they just kept sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning, and God just got tired. He talked to them. He chastened them. He, he sent things their way to hinder them and to harm them, and they just tuned out God. They had a seared conscience, and God finally took them out of this world. Jay, um, what's his name? Oh, man, Jay Harold Smith used to preach a sermon, God's Deadlines. And he'd talk about that very thing, how Christians would die because they just kept sinning. Remember in Romans, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It said, God forbid, God will not allow us to do it. So wake up. If you're in sin tonight, you better confess it. You say, well, pastor, I'll confess it, but I struggle so much with things. Just keep confessing. Just keep confessing. How often do I have to say it over and over? It's something I repeat often when I preach. You know why? Because I realize if you don't confess it, you're without fellowship. You're without joy. You're without God's abiding blessings of love. You're without all those things. And if you keep going down that road, you'll end up in a heap of trouble. So folks, confess your sin. And you won't have these, uh, the hand of God dealing with you. Remember, we're talking about Christians. You say, well, Brother Dan, it's not fair because I know people in the world that do anything and get by with it. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 78. He said, Lord, I look at the wicked people and they curse you and they die and there's no pain in their death. A friend of mine said he went to his friend's funeral and he got up and had someone saying, I did it my way. But you know, that person who's laying in that casket he may have done it his way, but if it's not God's way, guess what? He's in hell. And that song's going to probably tear him up while he's in hell. But the fact of the matter is, we, we, we will reap in this life because we're God's children. Well, the world, they don't seem to reap. I know people that are rich and healthy and wealthy and wise, and they have everything. What about them? They're going to reap in a different life. John 5 says there's the resurrection of the just and the unjust. Revelation 20 refers to it. Daniel 12, 2 says it's a, a resurrection of the just and the unjust. I'm thankful that, that I'm going to be raptured out. And I'm thankful that the tribulation saints and Old Testament saints will be resurrected at the judgment of the, of the just. But guess what? Everyone else is going to be raised at the great white throne. So everyone will reap. The Bible says everyone will reap what they've sown. We reap in this life. We reap now. 
the world will replate her when they stand in judgment. Where will you, what do you stand to lose if you continue in sin? Your direction, your joy, your fellowship, that abiding love, your health, or even your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your abiding love that you bless us and you let us know you love us and you just keep blessing me and I don't deserve your blessings or your love, but thank you and thank you for that peace and joy I have when I lay down at night and know I've confessed everything and, and know that you've restored that joy and you restored my fellowship and you've cleansed me. Thank you for it because it's all, it's all what you do not what I do. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.